What's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed I Kissed. <laughs> so far, so good. Off to a great start. What's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze. Just keep holding on to hope, even if everything in the universe is showing you the opposite just hold on to hope because this past summer things just kept going absolutely horribly wrong and each time to get through one of those moments it makes you stronger and we are stronger than we know so just please hold on and there i would never be sitting here begging anyone to hold on if it weren't worth it <laughs> today my guest is Brittany ginsburg aka notorious bbg she She's up in Boston, so I call her Boston Brittany Ginsburg, and she is my sober twin. Like she's caffeinating, and I I failed. She brought the white monster, and I and I failed. So sorry. That's okay. I, I, I'm gonna I That's all right. Okay, so you're gonna get to know Brittany if you are an OG of this podcast, and you'll remember her from early, early in season one last spring. Uh, so now it's uh, we've got some exciting developments in both of our lives. And so we thought it was about time for a reunion and to get caught up. And uh, I'm excited to share with you what Brittany has uh, going on in her life. We're going to get to hear from her about that in just a moment. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries, and relapses until finally, in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone, so let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio, as always, are Al K. Hallfree. There he is. If you're on YouTube, you get to see Al. He's doing an extreme close-up. And uh, yeah, if you're listening to the pod and you haven't figured it out yet, Al Alcohol-Free is his name, if you say it fast. I'm just throwing that out there. So in case anybody didn't get there, like, why the hell does he have an Al? Anyway, and also Spruce, my PTSD service dog, who is sleeping right behind Al. He's chilling like a villain. Uh, okay, <laughs> I, that's really cheesy. All right, let's continue this party. Uh, before before we get rolling, I just want to quickly say that if you're new to sobriety, if you're looking for a group of people to be your sober community, please come join the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye Sober Family Facebook group. The link is in the show notes, or you can search Facebook groups for I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And now that I've blabbed for over two minutes, probably, let's get rolling. Brittany, how are you? I am great. I was thinking about our first interview that we did on here, and it's just like, I don't know. The beautiful thing about recovery is that like I get to see you were just a random person on Instagram, you know, and like this cool guy asking me to go on a podcast originally and just to think where I was mentally back then and to go through such a transformation in such a short amount of time mentally. Like at that time, we were both feeling as good as we knew we could. And yeah. we thought it was so awesome. And it's just so it's unbelievable to me like how many more changes continue to happen daily and for the better so it's just beautiful because I get to reconnect with you randomly throughout the year and get to see your growth and that happens with all sorts of people in the recovery community so it's just it's a beautiful thing I've never felt like this connected and a part of something in my life so it's I I've been feeling really good that's feeling all awesome. the feelings. Feeling all the feels. And yeah. you gotta remind me, you're coming up on two years sober. Is that correct? Yes, on Wednesday, the eighth. No, yes. I knew it was close and I didn't realize it was that close. I knew we were close because I'm I'm February 16th 
of last year. So I'm coming up on one year, but you're like almost right there on two years. That's fantastic. Yes. And actually that just reminded me of something like, um, I remember at the beginning when you, um, were doing the podcast and well, you still are and it's great. And, um, myself, I was putting myself out there as well. And I remember like getting some initial feedback from people telling me to like slow down and just like, wait. And in hindsight, I'm really proud of you and me for just putting ourselves out there because the important thing is that like, we're showing ourselves even when we are nervous. Like I just worked all day. Like I ran around like a crazy person to like throw myself together real quick for this. And I think a lot of people um, in their addiction, we end up trying to paint this perfect picture so it's kind of nice in recovery to like just be comfortable with being yourself and that we did especially you because you pulled me out of my shell and got me on my first podcast and that was your first pod yeah no that will go down in history baby (laughs) (laughs) i'm so honored yeah so it's just it's really cool to like see the growth yeah, like I'm it, it been so excited to see what you're doing. So like tell the listeners and the viewers about what this Pink Cloud Connect thing is cuz you're wearing the t-shirt, you've got oh, like yeah. all kinds of swag like yeah, like you're you're rocking this new organization that I'm really proud of you for putting your putting yourself out there to start when I know that that's got to be like just totally like how how do I do this and you just had to figure it out. So tell us yeah. about what you do with Pink Cloud Connect and then we'll go from there. Yeah. um, So the Pink Cloud Connect, I actually named it that um, as a little bit of a sarcastic. um, I don't know the right. I'm sure there's a better word for that, but um, it almost like a parody, but I don't know the right word. But just to kind of like tell people that it's okay. like we can we can be on the pink cloud and have those good feelings like continue on. And I think like a big mishap in people's recovery is that we're not replacing our true love with something else that we're passionate about. So the whole idea behind Pink Cloud Connect is to try to get people um, in recovery to stay in recovery. So how can we do that? I don't know, like um, hooking up people with the right social groups, um, different um, nonprofit organizations and community um, resources that offer free services for mental health, brief counseling, addiction, recovery, and I'm um, just kind of giving people an unbiased view of the world of recovery. Because for me, it took me until 16 months sober until I learned about half of these organizations. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I've been running around AA all this time. I should know about this. So um, I'm really excited. We're actually starting a TV show um, next Thursday on the 9th is our first recording. I'm pretty nervous, but it'll be good. Um, it's just on my local hometown network. Um, and it'll just be featuring all the cool resources because I think that's something people really overlook. I'm sure you had some interesting stigmas about people that didn't drink. And I know I definitely did. Yeah. I thought that was the end of my life if I couldn't drink. So it's really just trying to break stigmas, create a change and uh, help people not feel so alone and help them feel connected. Well, and it's not, I'm not surprised that you went and did this as like kind of a disruptive sort of thing to, or yeah, I don't know, like, because you're the kind of person who, again, for the viewers who don't know you, 
um, you are a, like your sober bartender, like you, you, right. I mean, are you still doing that? I, I like, so I'm st- glad you asked that actually. So I'm not bartending anymore, but this has to be my ego that always says, but it's not because of the booze, but it, it has to be because of the booze. But at the end of the day, I found myself wanting more. So this is no shame against bartending. I did it my whole life and I love it. And I still have yet to find a job where I'm making that fast of money. And um, also those skills have shifted over great into other jobs. But um, as far as like wanting to make a change in the world and stuff, people would be like, hey, you want a shot? And I'm like, oh, I don't drink. And it's like a 20 minute argument with them of why I don't drink. I don't look like an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. And I'm turning into like a recovery coach in the middle of a bar, which is great. But um, it ended up just not being awesome for my mental health. Like um, a lot of times bartending, whether you whether people mean to or not, it ends up being about looks <laughs> and very superficial stuff. Um, and it could just be one time in the night or all night long. But um, yeah, now I'm working at a chiropractor's office, which is helping me out big time because my back, I broke it when I was 15. So pain management um, in recovery was interesting for me. So it kind of, I was like pushing and pushing for the Pink Cloud Connect to make millions of dollars so I could be the executive director. And it took me a minute to like, take a look around. My friend was begging me to work at this office with her, telling me how great it was. And I was like, hang on, I'm going to try it out. And it's a really good fit. Like they're so supportive of the nonprofit. There's so many connections within that field. And um, it's just nice to work alongside two doctors that respect me and aren't trying to like buy me shots. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit of a a change in the workplace. yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize until I was out of that environment, how much of an impact it did have on my mental health. Like I never, I would have been the first one arguing to the death of how perfect bartending is for me. Um, So it took a while, but now I'm on the other side of it. (laughs) It's, it's awesome. And not only the Pink Cloud Connect, but you also wrote a chapter in the book, That Party Is Over, which... Oh, you've got your copy there. Yes. Edited by our friend, our mutual friend, Caroline Blanchard, who you introduced me to. And so um, tell tell me what that process was like. What was it like to write your story out? Because you've told it before, like on, if you want to go back and hear, hear Brittany tell her story, you can hear it on um, season one. I think she was like episode four uh, Mm. of this little podcast, but uh, you can also buy this book, That Party Is Over and read it. But tell me... Um, Brittany, what was it like to to write your story? Because you've told it a bunch of times, I'm sure, in AA and in other places. Right. What is it? What was it like to write it and see it in print? Yeah, it was really interesting. Like, I love to write, and I didn't notice that until um, or remember that. I guess I used to like to write when I was younger, and um, it didn't get brought out of me again until I was in recovery, and. Um, for the chapter, I found myself having trouble because I was like, well, what does the world want to know? <laughs> and I found myself on a rescue mission, kind of like, what can I say to every little person to make them want to feel better and to give them hope? And um, 
during the time when the chapter was due, I kept learning new things every week, like a new major life lesson would get like clonked in the face. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep waiting until next week and then I'll write it. And it'll be like the most fresh new information. And it got to that week and it was just like a series of horrible events. <laughs> so I'm sitting there writing out my chapter about how amazing sobriety is. And it worked out because those are the times in recovery that you, when you're having all the horrible things happen to you that you have to use your little tools and find the good. And um, it really like scraped me off the bottom of the floor. <laughs> um, so it was interesting to write it out. Like, I feel like each and every one of us in that book has a whole entire book series in us. Yeah. So um, I, I'm very glad that we got that op opportunity. I feel like it was a great way to like segue into writing and like in the future, we could even write more maybe. <laughs> Do you think that's something that people in, in early in re recovery could or I mean, should do beyond just journaling, maybe consider writing out the whole story. I mean, it's it can be a lot. I know for me, it was like, oh, I don't know. Like, there's just yes. so much, where, which which shit show do I write about first? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, I I always suggest writing because even if you don't end up putting it anywhere or, and I totally understand why people are anonymous and um, like, I respect everyone's choice to do things their way. But even if it's just writing things down for yourself to look back to, um, that's changed me beyond. Like, actually, I, I purposely have my notebook right here because I was hoping you'd ask something like this, but I have my journal from rehab that I took for, like outpatient so it says like grateful list and outpatient yeah. <laughs> so this is right after rehab and this will be quick but um just like the first grateful list that I wrote because I would write down everything I was grateful for morning and, and night and it's just so cute to look back on kind of because you like watch yourself grow in this journey it's almost like we're little children like we're basically retraining our subconscious baby minds how to be adults so when I look back on these things, it's like, it's beautiful to go from hating yourself, like absolute disgust, not being able to list off one good thing about yourself to looking back and being like, oh, that's so cute about <laughs> yourself. Like, that's weird. So anyways, my first day home from rehab, I said I was grateful for my bed, my penny girl, my dog, um, Kira's hug, my sister, Aiden's hug, steak tips, and my mom. <laughs> and that's all I had. And and like now I could go on for hours and hours listing off everything that I'm grateful for because my mindset has totally changed. But um the importance for me writing these things down along the way, like just so that I can kind of check in with myself. Like I just found this notebook the other day because I'm just finally unpacking everything. <laughs> and um I feel like I found it for a reason. Like I was in a good spot to where I could look through that stuff and not have it be too triggering. Cause sometimes you don't want to look back at the really sad stuff that you wrote. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so important to just get, get things out of your head and get them on a piece of paper. <laughs> well, and doing it that, that early, 
as well. So if there's anyone listening who's very early in your sobriety, um, like, or even if you're sober curious and you have, you know, you're still um, mindfully drinking, like, you know, it can be really helpful to write this stuff down because then throughout the journey, you can look back a month from now or three, six months or a year from now. Um, again, and for some people, you know, it takes that long. Uh, if you've been kind of toying around with this idea of like, sh- could I, should I drink less or not drink at all? Then, I mean, some people it takes years. So like, if you're here as a listener and you're sober curious, start writing, like maybe something we can all, and and for those of us who have are like, I don't know, I, I'm not like some grizzled veteran coming up on a year. I'm call myself still like a toddler. I'm still learning. I, I don't think I'm even a toddler yet. I think I still don't know how to walk. It's just like, I, I'm still learning new things all the time, but like, what would you say is most surprising to you at the two year mark? Like, I'm, I'm so curious to hear, like, cause you're again, a year ahead of me. So I yeah. you something to look forward to. Oh, I love your questions. These are so good. Um, I am the most surprised at like the lack of necessity for materialistic things to create pure, genuine happiness inside of me. Like, I think that if you were to have asked, well, first of all, if I got out of rehab and you were like, what do you think you'd be like in year two? I'd be like, what? That won't happen. So it's, I, I think if I were to have looked in the future, I would have envisioned myself like ha- like buying my own house, having my dream job, like on the moon and doing all these crazy things because um, I'm sober. But in reality, like it's been more of removing the things that are distracting me from knowing myself and and getting like the best out of life. Um, a lot of it has been breaking things down and minimizing and like breathing, taking slow breaths, like controlling my thoughts. And that to me is not what I thought it would be. I don't know. I thought there would be some magical trick or something And everything I was trying in addiction was always like speeding things up and to know that it's all to actually for myself to truly achieve happiness and feel self-worth is actually removing all the crap and just being me my thoughts and like connecting with other human beings and that's truly all I've needed to feel happiness because financially I went on quite the like I've been so screwed (laughs) It's, it's fine now like there's light at the end of the tunnel but it's just that's been the biggest shock for me that I could be going through such horrible financial struggles but still have this like pure heart inside of me whereas before I had all the money in the world because I was just making money drinking it away and traveling and to be in a reverse scenario but feel the feelings I was chasing for every time I buy a plane ticket is like unreal so that's why I keep just that's why you probably feel excited too like there's enough good feelings in this process to make us stick around. And I, yeah, it's just, it's so important to know that like, it just keeps getting better. Even when it gets bad, it's like not the scary bad. Like I, I go, I used to go straight to like suicide, not just like, okay, this was a bad day. Maybe I'm hungry. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe like I haven't talked to another human being in a couple days. I can rationally sort things out instead of 
going straight to like catastrophizing. So yeah, it's not, it hasn't been any scary feelings of like, this is the end. And it's been a lot of fulfillment. <laughs> what about the relationships? Because you talked about in that answer about, uh, which was great, by the way, thank you for that. Um, and tell me um, more about the the human relationships. Like, would you have, what would you have thought about uh, two years ago looking ahead, like, or, or or how different are your relationships now than they were two years ago? Like your, your social circle, I guess. Right. So hmm, it's interesting because the way I used to have my closest friends were the ones that were down to drink with me at any hour of the day or night. And it would always rotate because no one really wanted to destroy their entire lives. <laughs> so, um, I've learned who to spend more energy on, I guess I should say. Cause like before I was really only thinking about myself, I would show up to like my friends, kids, birthday parties, christenings, everything absolutely hammered, did not care about spending time with them. And now it's like, I'll have the same relationships, but now it's just with so much gratitude that I'm here and present for it because this whole time, my whole life, I've been here, right? Like, obviously, I'm alive. I've been here. But I haven't really been here, like, present at all. So there's been some major life events that have happened in a lot of my close relationships lives. And I've been so thankful that I am sober for it, because I would not have thought about how can I make their life easier in this scenario? Like one of my very best friends, um, brother, he passed away, he killed himself. And I would, we've that same group of friends, we've lost another very, very close friend. That was a best friend of ours. And that was five and a half years ago. And to look back at that time compared to this time, like night and day and my impact on this group of friends, like, it takes a lot of like looking in and realizing like, oh shit, like I was the one bringing the nips to funerals and stuff and weights, like fully strapped with nips, like going hammered. And now to like be the person grabbing like my friend's crying kid and like running him outside while like they're doing the speeches and stuff. Like those are the moments that I'm like, whoa, holy, like, thank God I'm here for this because I'm able to be the person that like other people used to be for me, but I didn't really even appreciate. And now for me to be that person for other people is just, it's so nice. Like my sister's getting married. And before I used to be like some, I used to be so toxic and I just, I wouldn't have been present for her. And like, she's going through a little bit of a sad time about our cousin that had passed away. And like, I'm able to communicate with her about it instead of just deflecting and being like, Hey, you want to get hammered about it? <laughs> like, so I guess my relationships have changed in the sense of I'm participating more and I care more about the greater good of the relationship and the other person. It's not what can Brittany get out of this? Like, Oh, are they going to buy me a drink tonight? Like, no, it's like, how can I genuinely make your life better? <laughs> and to go from 
a shitstorm bad influence friend to that is like, what? <laughs> All I had to do is not drink. <laughs> yeah. And, and talk to me about that too, because it's like, I look back and you think like, how, how much does it really play a role in your life? But then when it, when it's gone, you're like, Oh my God, like, like all I had to do was, I mean, it's a big thing. It, it feels like a big thing. And, and it is a big thing, but you're like, all I had to do was just stop doing that. And then like, not that things magically got better overnight, but like fast forward a year or two years, you know, and if I just do this one thing, then so many other things will change. Like, right. is that right? Yeah. A hundred percent. And I don't, I don't know like what just made me think of this, but something else like for the listeners, anyone that's newly sober, um, one good thing about recovery and just something to think about, I guess, um, is like, you have to get, well, I had to get ready to just stand on my two feet, like, and just know that people might think I'm weird or maybe my perception of what I thought recovery people were is making me think that people will think I'm weird, whatever. But you end up with this strength where like you're doing something for yourself every day. And most addicts are not doing something healthy for their, themselves every single day. So there's like this inner power that kind of comes about. And it's important that we like hold on to that. And who cares if we're different? Like, great, good, be different. Like, that's awesome. And uh, like, let yourself try all the things you want to try. Because I feel like we just spend a lot of time afraid of what other people are going to think about us, but they're thinking the same thing. So just try to like be so easy on yourself, but like let yourself be quirky and silly and goofy because it, it is hard. It is sad, but like, it's also kind of funny sometimes like, come on, like month two of recovery. I'm like bawling my eyes out because like, my dog licked my face. <laughs> you just like, it's kind of funny. Like there's silly parts of it. So you got to like, just kind of laugh it off a little bit and just let yourself be quirky and weird because everyone is weird and quirky. They're either good at faking it or they're lying. <laughs> yeah. And where do you, how do you think that happened? Cause I mean, I know you have done a lot of work in AA, did the step work and everything. So like, but where do you think that that quirkiness and, and that that unique Brittany, you know, started to come back out? At what point did it start? Did she start to uh, kind of come come back for you? Was it like inner? Was it like an inner child kind of thing that like you God. felt like you were getting back to the way you used to be as a little girl? Or yeah. um, tell me about that. It's funny you said that because. I might have mentioned this back in the day because I haven't thought of this in a while, but I have pictures of myself from when I was a little girl, um, like hanging up in my apartment um, just to like, I've had, I've had them up since I got out of rehab in all like 10 of the places that I've lived just to give myself a break. Like maybe if I look at a picture of myself from like college, I'll be like, oh my God, I was so tan or like, look at my eyebrows. But like, if you look at a picture of yourself when you're genuinely happy as a little kid, you're like, all right, little Brit, I've got this. Like, I'm going to do this for you. Like, let's get that smile back. And so I, I really did connect with who I used to be. I started like peeling back all these like negative narratives that I had in my head about myself and being like, hang on, I am a good person. Like I have a, a soul. Like I, I can't 
beat up on myself so bad anymore. But um, back to your actual question, though, like, there was a true like pivoting moment when I started to feel like myself again, because the first year, and I'll have to share some pictures with you guys. Um, I have a picture from last year when I got my one year medallion. And I'm in like sweatpants, giant sweatshirt. And I just I looked at the picture of myself like and I look happy, but like, I'm still not like fully Brit. Like I wasn't my full self. Like you can tell I'm like holding back a little bit. And I think it took other people like you, um, Alex Hayes, the sober in Seattle. Um, and just people seeing like a little bit of hope in me and kind of showing me like, it's okay. Like, look, come on, you can let it out. And I think I had a lot of, a lot to say because I've silenced myself for years and um so that first year was a lot of just like I have to do it right like make sure I'm not stepping on any toes and then slowly I would like go on a podcast and then like and I used to explain it like it felt like I was opening a door to like a party I would like like peer out a little bit and be like all right that was scary that was too much close the door and then like the next time I like open it up and like everyone's like hey and then I just close it <laughs> and I'm like it just keeps getting open more and more and then eventually I'm like in the party where everyone is like living life and I'm like why was I so scared to come out here so I think it just takes a lot of like pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and just knowing well I have to stop saying you it took for me to, I had to push myself out of my comfort zone and it takes a lot of like allowing yourself to have awkward first times. Like my first wedding sober, I knew it was going to be weird <laughs> because it's a wedding. <laughs> I love drinking. I would have been drunk for like weeks on end ahead of time leading up to it before. And so to just give yourself a little bit of grace and allow yourself to coast through those uncomfortable moments are like exactly how I've gotten to where I am <laughs> because by like freaking out and screaming on the inside in certain scenarios but like safely doing them and doing it slowly <laughs> um and eventually we've gotten back to same old Brit which is unreal I did not think that I would ever my social anxiety like it's still bad but it was bad like so bad before so just to feel comfortable to even have like this conversation with you even if it wasn't being recorded you know like is just it's a different I'm a different person now and but I feel so me <laughs> so it's it's really nice <laughs> yeah and you can tell that it's the real I mean I didn't know you before but you know, I can even see that and hear a difference in, in you. There is a more of a confidence than when we talked like eight or nine months ago. Like it's, it's, you're shining even brighter than you were then. I mean, we had a fun, we had a fun, very caffeinated conversation. I think it was on my third monster of the day when we talked. <laughs> I loved it. Shame on me for not having the monster to alcohol-free cheers you with tonight. I Wait, apologize. I brought an extra one. Just oh, so. okay. So there, okay. Clink. All right. This well, one's then for I'm, you. I will vicariously have that. Mm. I've got my smoothie, so I'll yes, we'll clink. Thank you. You you can double fist for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly, but the caffeine thing, it's good. I'm glad that you're 
um, like, it's interesting because, like, throughout the journey, we start to, there will be certain things that you're like, at the beginning, no, I'm never giving up caffeine. And then throughout the journey, you start to see things in yourself that, oh, well, maybe I don't like how I feel when I drink 15 monsters. <laughs> and those little changes that you make, like we were never doing anything like that before. We'd be like, oh, I have a headache. I got to go to the doctor. I must be dying. But no, it could be the t- Tito's that you just drank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so it's just funny that now like you're making the changes like we're we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Would you talk to me though about the, tra- talk to me about the transfer addiction part? Because like, for me, that was like a legit thing. The first six, seven months, like every day monsters every day. And some days it was like three or four. I mean, it was bad. And now I'm like, walk back to where I'm having like Coke zero, Pepsi zero, which is, you know, still got caffeine in it, but like, it's at least, <laughs> it's at least not, not there. And I'm zero judgment on anyone who's having, like, I'm actually jealous. I just, I, somewhere along the line, I just kind of lost my taste for it, or I, I lost the desire to, to have them. And I don't know why that changed, but like, would you talk to me about the transfer addiction part and like how you kind of, did you have to give yourself some grace on something like caffeine or on, on something else in your first year or yeah. in the first couple of years? So like, I, I've always, not, not I always, I never smoked cigarettes, but I started vaping when I was like 26. Who does that? Don't know why, but, um, that's the one thing that I still haven't kicked and it's all in my, I know it's mental, but for the first year I'd be like, all right, I'm going to give myself a break one thing at a time. And then now like we're coming on two years and there still hasn't been any like major transformation with that. But um, I have been full blown addicted. Like I transfer addicted to sugar and that is so real. And um, it's so important that like we're aware of that and that we allow ourselves to kind of like go through that. Cause I think especially for women, um, I didn't want to get sober for the longest time because cocaine and alcohol kept me skinny. <laughs> so why would I get sober? I went, then all, all I have is food. But um, luck- luckily, desperation uh, is how I got sober. So um, it ended up being food was my next thing. And um, I became truly like so uncomfortable. And I talked to my doctor about it. And um, like, I, I've, identified it as binge eating disorder because for me I felt that I could not stop like it was an insatiable feeling whenever I'd be eating sugar that like I want to just keep eating it and there's never enough and that sounds very similar to alcohol (laughs) um so I talked to my therapist about it and he was like yeah no that's totally a thing um so I really focused on trying to not eliminate sugar but just not be so reckless with it. At first I was just like soothing myself. And um, then I was able to start being like, okay, I literally feel sick when I wake up in the morning. This cannot, this is not okay. So my roommate, um, she's amazing, Heather, shout out to Heather. Um, she literally will keep like, we. she has a five-year-old and um, she will keep his snacks like candy and stuff like that in her room like in a separate spot because I literally like will eat it (laughs) like now I'm now I'm better but there was like this whole past like summer it was during this past summer so leading up to right after my one year 
was when it would like started kind of spiraling. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's real. And um, my psychiatrist uh, says he deals with it a lot. So, I mean, it's definitely not a reason to stop doing anything else because mentally I was in a way better place and, um, but it is something to look out for. for but how sure. have you been, how have you been remained kind to yourself throughout that process? Like, because I know in your, in your mind, it's probably like, well, I wish I could kick the vaping and I wish I could, you know, maybe not eat as much sugar, but how have you, st- how have you remained kind to yourself through that process? Right. I'm glad you asked that too, because last summer, this brings me back specifically to a moment. I was at this water park last summer with my roommate and her son. And, um, it always goes back to like, like I felt so uncomfortable (laughs) and I was a little bigger than I was used to being like, didn't, I never fit into any of my clothes last summer. Um, I just, and I was broke. I couldn't buy new clothes. So I'm going to this water park trying to have fun. And I was miserable the whole time. And I ended up breaking it down in my head and it, it, turns out like it always comes down to me comparing or doing should statements like oh I should look like this but when you think about it like you can start to again like peel back layers and be like why am I feeling this way and that that's kind of when I start to talk to like the little Brit in my head like a child Brit like you wouldn't talk to I wouldn't talk to my roommate's son the five-year-old and be like yeah, you look like shit, kid, like, go for a run. I would never say that to anybody else. So like, why am I going to sit there and tear myself down after I just survived something like I'm alive. So I, it's hard. And it doesn't mean that I didn't like cry that day. And I had to be vulnerable and tell my roommate what was going on in my head. Um, But that was a decision that I was capable of making instead of going the old route where I would have just had a defense wall up and been like no I'm fine like I'm just pissed off about something else but in reality like I feel uncomfortable because all I do is eat sugar (laughs) and I need to change that and that's that's actually when I did go to my doctor and I asked him if that was a thing like if I could have transferred addiction so like I get through those moments by being gentle with myself but then also like taking action on them like if I'm going to peel back the layers and know it's because of decisions I've been making to eat 10 pounds of candy every day, then that's probably why I'm low key mad at myself because I know that I'm in control of those decisions. So um, it's just a giant mind fuck. (laughs) All of it is. It really is. It's just like talking to yourself, coaching yourself, pretending you're a little kid in your head. Like, I don't know, but it, vulnerability and like just being super duper open and honest with myself and the people I love around me has been what's gotten me through it. Even if it's not that pretty at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, here's the last question that I have um, before I, well, is there anything else that you wanted to share with people that are in their first couple of years of sobriety? That'll be my next to last question. Anything else that we didn't talk about that maybe is on your head or your heart? Um to just like keep holding on to hope like even if everything in the universe is showing you the opposite just hold on to hope because i'm telling you this past summer i truly was like 
no, this can't be right. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> like things just kept going absolutely horribly wrong. And each time to get through one of those moments, it makes you stronger. Like that's why I'm now able to talk a little more confidently because I've proven to myself that I'm stronger. So like the situations that we have no control over, yeah, it sucks. And like, you're going to spin around in your head a million times. of like, why? No. Um, but like you get through it and we are stronger than we know. So just please hold on. And there, I would never be sitting here begging anyone to hold on if it weren't worth it. <laughs> so just reach out to anybody and yeah, listen to this podcast. Cause Dana knows what's up. Ah, and she <laughs> threw in a plug for the pot. Yes. Thank you. You're the best. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. Like, that's perfect. um, like, what last question what do you do so this is the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze so what do you do and you've kind of touched on some of this but like what are some specific things that you do or just at least one specific thing that you do to show love to yourself um at the two-year mark or what's something that has been consistent throughout the past couple years that you've done to show love to yourself um whether it's the current brit or the little brit or the Mm -hmm. or or whatever um yeah what's some what's one one simple way that you've done that um not drinking (laughs) literally okay by not drinking and by just like standing on my own two feet and keep on keeping on (laughs) okay yeah, and and I had a recent guest who said, you know, that that um, not drinking is the greatest act of self love that there is, and so I I really feel like looking back to a year from uh, a year ago uh, today, I was I don't know, I got my drink tracker in my app that I use, and I was looking back, and I was like, oh my god, like this was a this was a crazy week a year ago, and so right. it's things are just a little bit little bit different now and the self-love is not you know maybe where it could be but it's sure as hell a lot better than it was before um well I will say also like to I guess like give it time too because there our brain like we're always gonna have negative self-talk it's just a matter of what we do with that so um it's just so important that we know that like nobody is over here like think nobody thinks like it's not easy or anything. So just know that like, yeah, sorry. All right. We'll just cut that part. Cause I don't know what the hell I'm saying. No, that's okay. No, we're leaving it in. This is, okay, an, uncut, this is an uncut episode because, perfect. because when you have an ADHD moment like that, I'm like, yes, thank God. I'm not the only one. Like you did that. Um, when we had this spring interview too, like you were talking, you were talking and I saw the moment you kind of like glazed over and, and you had this look like, oh my God, I don't remember what I was talking about. And I was like, that's me. It's me right there. Like <laughs> every day, every day it happens. <laughs> as long as you're okay. We're, as long yeah. as you're okay, we're leaving it in. Cause, cause no, like, I'm totally, that's what I'm all for. Like show it because show it. everyone can even look back on the last interview we did together. And to see that growth is like a great example right there. Yeah. And the best and and the progress of the podcast too, because we haven't had to stop the podcast and reconvene on a different medium. <laughs> like we hey, did last yes. time we're like, that we were trying to like Instagram live and it died. And I like, oh my God, that was an adventure. But we had fun. We were we were super caffeinated and we had fun. And I I had fun doing this tonight. And we're gonna have to have you back again in like season four. Uh, yes, please. To hear how things are going. Um, where can people connect with you, Brittany? Uh, what's the best way to reach you if somebody's been inspired um, by this episode? 
So my Instagram is at Brittany.Ginsburg. Um, that's U-R-G, like Ruth Bader. And um, what else? www.thepinkcloudconnect.org. Um, you can keep an eye out. We host Soberfest in Massachusetts. Um, now it's an annual event every September. I'm looking to spread them out, but um, that'll be in the future. Um, and also I am at Sober in Boston. Sober in Boston. Sober in Boston. Yep. Awesome. Yes, Boston Brittany Ginsburg, everyone. Notorious <laughs> BBG. It's been so good. I call her my sober twin, like not because we're the same sober date, but just like I feel like if if I were 10 years younger and and not a dude, I would be like I feel literally like we're the same person. <laughs> 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 Except I didn't re risk my life for the country, but no, uh, but oh, but no, 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 none of that. I mean, thank you, but no. Listen, you have done plenty, and you are doing plenty um, for your fellow for a fellow men and women kind, um, <laughs> especially with the Pink Clock Connect. I encourage people to go check that out and and donate there too, um, because I'm, you probably got a Please. donate link on there, right? Yep, we do, and um, actually, we just got. So I started making bracelets um, that have Morse code for keep going. Oh, hell um, no. So it's kind of just like they're, it's like subtle. These are like matte black with um, the other black, but they're all on the website too. But all the proceeds go straight to our events um, and just helping people get sober and stay sober. All right, and if you want to check out what that is, check out the uh, the YouTube version of this because you can see the, uh, or actually just go to the website if you're not, yeah, if you're sorry, listening. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. No, 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 that's good. I'm glad you were showing it. The YouTube folks will be able to see it like, and and like, cause I'm going to go on after we hang up and I'm going to order some, so. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, listen, thanks. This was so much, uh, my sober sister. Um, we will look forward to seeing you again on alcohol. <laughs> I kissed alcohol goodbye. Um, Al and Spruce and Brittany and I uh, bid you all our due and we say we send you all of our sober love and we say goodbye alcohol Mwah! and hello life. Much love to you all and peace. We'll see you next time. Oh, whoops. Oh no, I don't want to end the meeting. I just want to stop recording. <laughs> this is my life.